scale of one to ten. Okay, wait. One being the lowest, ten being the highest. Being I highest. mean, as far as yes. Okay, our friendship. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Yes. So after the tension last week in the podcast, it was tense. I mean, you don't believe in Bigfoot. You don't believe in mermaids. You don't believe in Loch Ness monster. And Bigfoot, Sasquatch. did you feel like it was tense at all? Like I want to you know, check on our friendship. No, I'm I'm good. I think I think my soul is good since you care so much about it. I, I right. think my soul is good, and I feel good about how I feel about Bigfoot and all those other conspiracy theory. Well, it was tense in the room, yeah, and no. I'm sure people could feel the tension Cut it with a knife because I love you. You said twelve, right? Yeah, no. So no, you I, feel good about us. Yeah. You you don't think oh, I'm going to trade? No, I'm not going to hang out with Mark anymore. We're good yeah polar opposite correct i think that's where the this generation goes wrong i think we can still disagree about something like bigfoot and still be best friends and mermaids and, and, we, mermaids and, and, and Loch Ness Monster. everything else well i did something okay um, i brought a little gift there <laughs> what just, is it? it's just a gift make it, sure the mic picks up i want to make sure that this day it's a donut it's a donut i believe in donuts go ahead you can take Thank it you. out you, you can have it i wanted to get for it here let me see it okay. because in the bible good friends right would always never let the king right taste something brought without tasting it first that's so true i'll check in case it's sure poison it's not poison i don't want to die just a minute Mm. <laughs> it's very good. It's, mm. That is a great donut. That's okay. So I'm sorry if I hurt your no. feelings with our disagreements. We're good. We're good. I wanted to bring that to you. Okay. And say thanks. Sure. I I didn't go that high. I didn't go 12. Oh, I, feel, I was about two, oh, maybe wow. three. Like the tension was hot. Sure. Sure. But I, it's all aside. Now we're good. We're good. Donuts good. Okay. Um, so are you? You're not at a two or three anymore, then, right? No, I still? don't know. I'll, I'll fill it out today as we go <laughs> through. Depending on how this goes, right? Yeah. But I want people to know you're a twelve, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, I'm in. I'm a three, three point two, somewhere in there. Sure. Yeah, I'm still on the fence. Sure. Uh, I was shocked. However. I want our listeners to know it okay. is possible to be friends and and disagree vehemently. Yeah, very much so on things. Yeah, the vaccine. Did you get the vaccine? I did get the vaccine. And I'm see, I was no. Don't do right. it. Flip. Right. And you got the vaccine. Did you grow an extra finger? Anything like that? I, I feel like I am growing a third nipple, but no, I'm I'm not. Uh, I feel fine since I've had it. There's been no side effects. Um, no myocarditis. Nothing. Nothing like that. Don't that see I know double of. vision like me. No. I do. No. See, that's what I mean. Like, and we're good friends. Right. Like when you got the shot, I hugged you sure. just in case you would die. I didn't care if I got right. COVID because everybody's like, oh, don't hang out with people that got the shot. You'll right. get it. Sure. But you got the shot. What did I do? I hugged you. You gave me a big I was hug. Like, Let's hug big it out, buddy. If you're going to sure. die, so am I. Right. And uh, I want people to know the friendship between us is. Still there. We don't have to be 10 and 10. We don't have 12 to. and 3. That yeah. balances out. Yin and yang. Speaking of that, okay. in the military, yeah. um, it's it's why you're here. Let's be honest. I Me, I'm a teddy bear. I, okay. took, a, I took a personality test yep. and it <laughs> said, what kind of dog are you? Right. Guess what I came back at. Just take a guess. I'm going to say a poodle. Oh, God. I'm at, I'm at a two now. I just went from a... Th- I'm down to a two. Yeah, just right I'm on sorry. the show, you just threw me under the bus like I'm gay or Poodles something. A poodle. A man's not a poodle. Cute. Golden I'm, retriever. 
I, okay, I'm cool with that. Best golden Retrievers are cool. Uh, Best dog I ever had was a Golden Retriever. Yes, thank you. Yes. I'm back to a three or four now. Yeah, okay. So you're saying if I was a dog, which you believe in, I, you would take me home? Uh, 100%, yes. Okay, so I was a poodle. Okay. I'm a poodle. Now, see, I was a Golden Retriever, 100% Golden Retriever. Robin right. was the poodle. Right. Right. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I got it mixed The up. whole, you know, poodles have the weird haircuts. Sure. That's Robin. What, what were you? I didn't do the dog thing. I took the um, Myers-Briggs and my, the nickname for my personality was the Commander. And it was one to four percent of the population have that personality. And it's good and bad. Your strengths are your weaknesses. Your weaknesses are your strengths. But it's very much kind of large and in charge. But it's very military. So probably a Rottweiler. You would be a Rottweiler or a Minpin. A Minpin. I'll go with a Rottweiler. Yeah, I think so. That's why I brought you here. Sure. Right? I called you on the phone and said, yo, Rottweiler, little golden retriever Mark needs some help. You know why? Sure. Because I'm too nice. Right. I'm so nice to everybody. Like, you just come up to me and kick me. And I'm like, I love you. (laughs) Just just come up and say, hey, ugly dog. Sure. And I'm like... I just love everybody. And I knew that in ministry, you'd just got to sometimes have a Rottweiler. have a hardcore Barker feel here. Sure. Now, the reason I did that is because most people don't know right. Marine Corps. I right. say that, but it's not, I'm not faking it. You're right. a true Marine Corps. No, no, I was right? in the Marine Corps, yeah. You were in the Marine Corps. You got the old uh, anchor and globe. Eagle globe and anchor. Yep. But, but but people don't know this, right. maybe. You were an MP. I was. I was a military police officer. Actually, uh, and I, I thought that's what I was going to do. When I got in the Marine Corps, I got into law enforcement. I loved it. And so I thought that maybe, you know what, when I get out of the Marine Corps, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a cop. I had a test state in Washington, D- mm-hmm. D.C., and then in New York City, mm-hmm. and with a sheriff's department right outside of Washington, D.C. And you got to be careful how you say it. it's Fauquier County, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia. And so... A mother, barely. yeah, no, I couldn't work there anyway. No. Anyway, so um, and I, I loved it. I, it was great, man. So in the military, yeah, it, it, Marine, yeah, Marine Corps, Phil Rottweiler, Phil Commander. Sure. You said Commander. Did you ever have to MP? Did you ever have to beat anybody up? Uh, we had to aggressively defuse the situation. Uh, give me the story real quickly. I don't. Do you, which one do you want? I, I want an aggressive diffusion. Did you beat the person up? Yes or no? Were you saved at that time? Did I, you know Jesus? You know, I grew up uh, in a Pentecostal household. So then, no, you didn't and, know. But Jesus. my four years in the Marine Corps, I was not. No. You did not know. So in the Marine Corps, you Jesus probably didn't even know you. No, he definitely didn't. Know he me didn't either. know you. You yeah. you probably thought you did, but you didn't. So Marine yeah. Corps, so enlighten us a little sure. bit there, a little sinful feel, like uh, beat people up. Right. Yes, just go back to that story. Did you ever beat somebody up as an MP? As I'm trying to think of the statute of limitations on some of these cases. No, there was, I, I'll tell you one story. I was new, I was in Okinawa, Japan. Mm-hmm. I had just gone through boot camp, and then after boot camp, you go through something called MCT, which is Marine Corps mm-hmm. training. Every, no matter what your job is in the Marine Corps, every Marine is a trained rifleman. Mm-hmm. And so you go through through infantry training pretty much. And then you go to your school, your mine was uh, police Academy, Fort McClellan, Alabama, mm-hmm. kind of your stopping grounds, yeah, right? In yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. And so I go to Okinawa, we get a call.
recall that there is a guy outside, a Marine outside of the base there in the small town that I was in in Okinawa, and he's causing problems, and the Japanese police have them, mm-hmm. and he, they are going to give them this guy to us. Mm-hmm. So we give us, they give us this guy. He's drunk. He tried to hop the fence for whatever reason on the base, so mm-hmm. he's all bloody and because of the barbed wire and all that kind of stuff. So this guy was a jerk, man. Mm-hmm. You know, cussing and uh, and and just being a jerk to mm-hmm. us. And so it's me and this corporal, and he says, I met Barrick so-and-so with the 12th Marines. And so a lot of times what we do in the Marine Corps is just turn them over to their own unit because their own unit will beat the crap out of them pretty mm-hmm. much. We had outdoor racquetball courts there in Okinawa, and the purpose of that for the infantry guys was they would go in this outdoor racquetball court, form a circle around two guys, and let the two guys beat the crap out of each other. Mm. And so, but then... Sounds like church. Yeah, it's, it's no different than a church I'm, I've been at. Um, yeah. But so, this guy, just being a jerk, he we take him to this barracks, and on the way there, I'm thinking, man, 12th Marines. The 12th Marines are out on float in uh, somewhere in Europe. I don't even think they're here. So sure enough, we go, barracks are empty. I went upstairs to get the officer in charge. When I come down, the guy, my partner that I was with, was getting a Coke out of the, the mm-hmm. Coke machine. And I'm like, hey, where's the where's the guy? And he's like, huh? Looks around, the guy had taken off. Mm-hmm. So I see him probably 100 yards down. I just go chasing after him, right? I mean, there are cars that Could are you pointing. run back then? Oh, yeah. It doesn't look like you run now. I don't run But now. back then, you could run. My PFT, which is the physical fitness test, mm-hmm. I was getting 280s out of a possible 300 in the uh-huh. run was my best. I was running a six-minute mile. Just, just real quick, let me yeah. answer. What will you think you could get now out of 300 points? Oh, my gosh. So 10, to get 10, 12, 12, 15? Two and a half. Uh, it's, it's based off three 100 points. Uh, so one is the sit-ups. It's 80 sit-ups in two minutes. Mm-hmm. I can do that. And then an 18 to get 100 points, uh, three miles in 18 minutes, and mm-hmm. then 20 chin-ups. You're never going to oh do gosh. that today. I, I You're going to flunk. Yeah, I wouldn't. You're going to flunk. do it at all, but you can't even do one chin up now, can you? I would say no. I know. I can I tell. I'm, I'm just looking at you this. and I can tell. I don't, I'm, Did you beat the guy up or so, not? Okay. He's running. So You're the guy's running. Him. I mean, there are cars stopping and they're pointing me. He's going that way. So a rookie mistake. He goes to this building and instead of rounding the corner to the building, I just go straight to the corner where he was waiting with oh, the arm bar. Yeah. So he put his arm out. I went down completely. I was befuddled. I was discombobulated. Two big words, by the way. Thank you. And uh, so I was on the ground. Uh, by the time, long story short, catch up to the guy, I, I just, uh, for all you WWF uh, fans, I just did a Goldberg spear on the guy mm. and took him straight down, put him in cuffs. The guy ends up spitting in my face eventually. And when he did, um, let's just say he was... He got taken down. You did. You weren't a Christian. Let's I leave it not, at that. You no. were not a Christian. He was in handcuffs all. and regretted doing that. Okay, good. And uh, we'll, well, leave it at that. that's what I mean. Sure. Me, Mark, Marine Corps Mark, sure. if I was in the Marines, I'm sure. too nice to go to the Marines. I would have just said, hey, can I pray for you, little buddy? You just <laughs> right. spit in my face, yeah, spit no. in my other face. And gave me an arm bar. Yeah. That's why I've called you to come here. Yeah. I needed a golden a golden retriever, needed a Rottweiler. Sure. I needed somebody. I told Robin, I said, look, we're never going to grow a church if we don't get somebody here that can beat somebody up. I got to have somebody that can come in and just beat people up. I don't know. You said I can't even do a chin-up now, so do I need to start working out steroids, that kind of thing? I don't know. I, I think people need to be scared of you. 
I would like to say, if you're listening, you need to be scared of Phil. We went to a wedding this weekend. Mm-hmm. The person that I actually ended up sitting with, I was sitting by myself, and the person that said, you know what, we're going to come sit by you because everybody's scared of you. Yes. And I said, that's what I like. I yeah. like that. I yeah. want people to fear you. Yes. And that's why I said, hey, would you come up here and work with me? I'm just too sweet. <laughs> I, I love everybody. I need somebody up here that doesn't love everybody. I just a couple, just love a couple of people. Right. And then and then Marine Corps feel. Yeah, I'm Here's what's funny, though. Yeah. You know what's funny? Mm. And I'm not going to banter too long. Oh this is gosh. it. This is the end okay. of it. Is is I, I think it's all a joke. What is all a joke? I know you. It's a joke. You're nice. People, you're nice. Let's just say it. You're nice. I like people I to think you're mean. Right. I like people to be afraid of you. It helps me out to go, hey, you're going to go see Phil. Right. right. Like the principal. Right. Like, oh, God, if I got to go see Phil. Right. Like, that's what I like. The staff. I right. want them to go, oh, God, if you go see Phil. Sure. But let's be honest. You're a puppy. You're tearing you're, the veil back here. You're I, nothing but a little broken puppy that just <laughs> needs love. Just a little bitty, wimpy puppy. You're kind. You're, a, you're one of the most giving people I've ever no, met. I, don't. I never hear you talk about people bad. You're no. always kind. You you have great, you have more faith than me. I don't know why no, you're I not don't know passing. No, are you and, and you're just kind. You look kind no of way. not kind. You got tattoos. You sort of kind of have an attitude sometimes because Robin, you know her. Right. She'll say to me often, is he mad? <laughs> and then I don't know where to say he's just joking with you. And she's like, I think he's mad at me. But I pretend. I'm like, he is, honey. He's really really angry at you stay no. away from him no she intimidates me she does yeah well, very she intimidates hardcore. me too no, I, that's why the rapture is not coming god's I feel not like ready if i look at her wrong she's gonna like smack me around a little bit you yeah know? she would she would she could do it you're she, listen you're, you're she would have to do it left-handed now because her right hand's all messed up what she's, happened to her uh, she's got she stays on her phone too much i think she's got like some kind of thumb thing going on like a, <laughs> i don't know I no don't you're know. tearing the veil back people only see what you let them see I, that's why i'm saying right Right here on the podcast, forget it. That, that you are nothing but a rottweiler. You'll kill people. You are you're yeah, an angry you little man. I'm an angry little guy. You're an angry little cuss. I am. And, but you work with me in the church, and yes. that's what I want to talk about. Okay. I want to talk about church. Here's I'm my, excited about this today. Okay, here's my deal. I've been doing this a long time, right? Uh, my whole life. My dad and mom got born again in 1963. I'm born in 65. I never remember life outside the church. We went to church all the time. Right. It, there, it was not even an option. Today, in 2023, it feels like church is no different than the gym, a club, a class. Sure. If I want to go, I will. Uh, if I have time, I will. If I feel the need to, uh, you know, I need help, maybe prayer, I'll go. Sure. It doesn't seem to carry the weight today in a generation. It's uh, the buzzword is we are deconstructing from religion, from the thing we would all call religion. And so I would like to know your take on church. You're raising two girls. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I see them here all the time. I'm sure they've told you before, I don't want to go. I do. How do you, or what would you say to somebody, to a generation out there? Because you and I do this. We've been doing it our whole life. You've been in church your whole life. Your grandfather all down. Your great-grandfather, too, or just grandfather down? Fourth generation pastor. Fourth generation pastor you are. You come out of that stream. And I want to talk about the church and what's happened in our perceptions about it. 
the perceptions that, and I'm not talking about the world, the world, and by the world, I mean not the people who follow Jesus. I want to just talk about followers of Jesus and their perceptions of this thing we call church, which 90% of the time is going to be the Sunday gathering, whatever time that would be, and whatever we call it from a gathering to an experience to a service, whatever, you know, stream you flow in, we all have names for it, trying to be cute of what it is. So give me your take on why do you think so many people who follow Jesus or claim to follow Jesus, bear the title of Christians, have such a lackluster perception of the thing called local church? I think that First of all, I think we all have to realize, and it's in the Bible quite a few times, that we need each other. Uh, I think the enemy does a really good job with separating us. Okay, so I'm on, I'm on, I'm just going to be the a devil's advocate. Okay. I don't I don't need church for that. I've got my friends. I got people that I hang out with that, that aren't on Sunday morning. I right. don't. I, oh yeah, I believe I need people, but I got my friends. We go to the gym together when I need them. I call them. I got my community is with this group of people, let's say motorcycle riders. I rode motorcycles okay. once. Right. And uh, I got my gang. I got the dudes I hang out sure. with. I'm good. You got Marine Corps. You sure. have community Marine Corps. Ride together, sure. die of together. Course. Right. You leave no man behind right. kind of philosophy. So what's the biggest difference between Marine Corps? We're going to fight for each other. Motorcycle club, we fight for each other. Firemen. I worked in the fire department for a little while. The camaraderie among first responders. Right. You were an MP. Yeah. I'm sure the camaraderie there. It was great. I got your back. So explain when you say, hey, we need each other. Okay, great. Yes, we do. But I'm talking local church, the gathering around this thing of religion of Christianity. I, I'm, I'm talking, all those things are great. I'm still a part of a Facebook group of a lot of those guys that I, I served in the, the Marine Corps with. But I'm talking like-minded, kingdom-minded, uh, faith-filled people. Is That's the community that, that we need the most of. And it you know, gosh, the Bible talks about don't forsake the, the gatherings uh, and, and the needing of each other. If we're out there alone, I, I have friends outside of church, but I need the local body. I need it for encouragement. I need the word that comes forth. I need the worship that comes forth. But I need that those people who uh, I'm, I'm sure have friends outside of church, too. But we need that like mindedness, uh, kingdom minded Christian people together. Uh, I, I have to have that. And I think there are quite a few verses in the Bible that talk about it. One is uh, in Ecclesiastes uh, where it says that two are better than one for they have a, a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In First Peter is one of my favorites, uh, and I'll give you an example of this. First uh, Peter 5 says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I like the the comparison of the lion here. So um, I, I go to Africa a lot. I've been to Africa uh, numerous, numerous times over the past 15 years. And one of the things that uh, I, I do when I'm in Africa is I've been on safari a few times, and I have seen the lion stalk his prey, but what the lion is looking for is not the person that's uh, in the group. He's looking for the straggler. He's looking for the one that is a 
alone and not with a group. And I think when we isolate ourselves with other friends and, and you need that, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but when you, there, there's something that is powerful about a group of believers, not a group of Marines, not a group of like-minded firefighters or whatever the case may be. But when you're with the pack, the pack being other like-minded Christians, uh, it, it's much more difficult uh, for you to get caught by the roaring lion. Okay, you have two daughters, and I talked yes. with a parent not long ago about this thing, same thing. You have two daughters, and this parent said, look, my kid doesn't want to come. They don't like church. They don't want to be there. Uh, how do, what do you tell your girls when they say that, if they say that to you or have said that? What do you tell them as a dad? You know, I, my girls have, have said before, uh, dad, I'm just so tired. I don't want to go. And, um, and, and they always do go. Well, they, they go. Um, I, I, I tell them, you know, if the Marine Corps feels sometimes will rise up and be like, no, you're going. You're, yeah. Uh, I, I think that I, I think it's twofold. I think part of it is me being the priest of my home and saying that, no, you're going and uh, you're going to go because you need it. Mm-hmm. And then the other part is me uh, unfolding that with my daughter about why she needs to go and why she needs to be. Man, the 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 friends that she has at school are great and she has a ton of them. But uh, most of them don't go to church. Some of the conversations that she comes home with are are not uh, just appropriate, to be honest with you. And so it's a conversation that I have with her about so, why this is important. So my dad, my mom, non-optional, right? I just laugh. Yeah, same here. I, I laugh when when parents like, well, my kid didn't want to come like it's optional because in my home, non-optional, you're in Evans, you're going to church, like it or not, you can cry all the way there. We don't care. But, but the funny thing about it is that other things, it's not optional. If your kid came home and said, oh, I don't feel like going to tennis practice today. Uh, you're going, you're going, Uh, I don't want to go to football, mom. I'm sorry. You're going, you're not going to be on the field on Friday. If you don't, they're going to kick you off. Like we make you go to school. We make you go to soccer. We make you go to volleyball. We make you go to tennis. We make you go to cheer. We make you go to track we make you go to baseball we make you get up we make you do your bed we make you do your chores church jesus nah it's optional i know you're tired you got homework still that's irritating to me sure. but golden retriever mark right oh i just love you right but <laughs> right. It, it is irritating right. it's like in every other thing that is not eternal in our life we demand that our children go we put great effort to it we put a lot of money to it we put a lot of effort to it but when it comes to the house of god it's this optional thing now because I don't want to be a parent that, and this is what I hear a lot, I don't want to force religion on right. my child. I don't want to push him away. Okay, right. I'm like, okay, that, that doesn't... It doesn't even make sense in any other area of life. Right. I don't want to force eating good on my kid. Okay, just give him blizzards your whole life and watch what happens. <laughs> right, sure. So it doesn't carry itself as a philosophical belief. It does for the moment of religion. But one of the things that I've noticed growing up in my mom and dad when they, quote, made me go, and and uh, you can say forced because I'm in the family as a kid or not, well, however you want to define it. But it it wasn't a you better go mm. or else. It was it was 
was so real to my mother and dad right. that they were taking me because it was so real to them. They wanted me to have the same experience that they had. Right. right? So for them going, it wasn't just religion. It was a reality. It was a lifestyle. It was my father coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he could think of no better place to be, mm-hmm. to give of his time and effort. to the, And he was he was a CPA. He wasn't sure. a pastor then. And the same for my mom. My house was always filled with people coming over to receive prayer, coming over to be part of, of uh, an encounter with God in our home. So very much, it, it was never a religious service for me. It was a lifestyle. Yeah. And I think somewhere today, we've turned Jesus into a religious gathering rather than an ongoing lifestyle. Good. Kids don't see it in mom and dad. They don't see the reality. So if I don't see the reality in my parents, I'm probably not going to be very passionate about it myself. I don't want to be part of a losing team, right? So it needs to be part of a reality first. If we're talking parents to kids, a reality. And then I would just say this. How have you, you've been in church since the Marine Corps. You you got plugged back in. Since I've known you, that's all you've done. You've worked in the local church. How do you keep this thing called church the gathering uh, of, of Sunday, religious though it may be, and the things we do, how do you keep that a fresh reality in your life so that you don't take it for granted, you don't become so familiar with it, yep, it's just a church service, it's just religion. How have you kept it fresh for yourself? Yeah, because it, I, I, you just said it, actually, because it is a lifestyle. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's a lifestyle of continually getting in God's presence, of, of getting in, into the word of uh, coming to church uh, and then Monday through Saturday. I, I think so many people use Sunday as, as the checkbox of I've done this. I, th- I think you said it yesterday, a 18 minute TED talk, a song that I like and the goosebumps on the back of my neck. And then that's where it ends. It can't end just on Sunday. It has to be a seven day a week, 24, seven hour, uh, 24 uh, hour, seven day a week thing. Uh, and, and that's how we've kept it alive in our house whether that's through family prayer time, through reading the Bible together, but it's it's a lifestyle that we have adopted. And then that is the most important things in our lives, whether rich or poor, whether uh, we like it or don't like it sometimes. I mean, are you kidding me? There's some days I wake up and wonder if I'm even saved, you know? Uh, And I, I think it's just a continual lifestyle. And that's what I think people have to get in their spirit uh, is that it's not just a Sunday thing. It is a continual lifestyle um, of living for Jesus. Okay. In a moment, I'm going to share what I have discovered. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, church, I can do with it. I can do without it. I used to go. I don't anymore. Been there, done that. Uh, I've deconstructed. I don't need it. I can sit at home. I can be a good Christian without it. I can follow Jesus and not have to go to some Sunday gathering to listen to some man tell me what I need to do with some rules and give my money to them. I can live this life. So I've worked all that out. I'm going to share my opinion on that in a moment. But um, 
in in growing up in this and doing it every single week i mean you've been in it deep what do you see happening in our culture today about the church i actually have a ton of stats and they were very interesting this is from the state of the church uh, some of them is from a gallup and then some of them uh, the stats i'm going to read are from barna uh, but i'll start uh, in 1999 70 percent of people said that they go on that they are that they go and are affiliated to a church synagogue or a mosque even so that's 70 percent of people of americans now in 1999 in 2018 that number went from 70 percent to 50 percent from 2018 to 2020 that number went from 50 to 47 percent in 2023 uh, now is 31 percent so in a span of 24 years uh, we went from 70 percent to 31 percent interestingly enough this was where i didn't know and i found it to be interesting uh, millennials who are uh, the group of people that are born between 1981 and 1996 my wife is a part of that went from 21 percent up to 39 percent uh, of church attendance millennials are the ones interestingly enough that are driving church attendance across the board out of all of that i think this is interesting as well non-denominational churches are the churches that are doing the best and are seeing an uptick in attendance in the 10 years from 2013 to 2023 uh, non-denominational churches have gone up on average 6.5 million people because people are for whatever reason, tired of denominations, whether that's whatever denomination that may be. And then this is the last uh, thing that, uh, according to Barna, 77% of people are looking for two things in a church. One is a faith practice that is immediately relevant to their life. And then two, um, they are looking for a church that has a positive influence worldwide and world missions. Uh, and so those are some of the stats that I pulled. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on, on all of those stats or some of them or what really jumped out to you. Okay, here's, here's my take on it. I was raising four daughters, right? You want to be successful as a father. I studied world religions in my um, prep to be in ministry. And I came to the conclusion of all the religions they're all they all got good stuff right like they all are trying to help humans be better humans whether they have rules or rituals whatever almost every religion in some way has a scripture they have their teachings and they have their philosophical ideologies of how you should live and most of them if it's a religion is trying to get you to a good spot in life right sure so but along comes Christianity and in my studies it made the most sense to me I'll talk about that later maybe but here's what I will say to to a person who is a follower of Jesus and you're like man I can do without it I I mean I go occasionally uh, I think one of the reason there's such an uptick among Millennials is I think we realize oh my god there better be more to life than this there has to be more to life than just paying bills and surviving yeah. here I think there's a generation of people desperate for something real they're desperate for the truth they want somebody to tell them the truth here at believers I I get this a lot from people even yesterday two people told me this they came up they said you know why we love coming here I said I don't know Phil 
<laughs> it's probably Phil. That was, I was expecting that. You, you come because of Phil. Sure. You weren't coming until I hired you. I probably think no, so. But they said, do you know why I come here? I said, lay it on me. And they said, because every week we come, you're not afraid to tell the truth. You're not afraid to stand up there and tell us exactly what you believe. You make no apologies about it. You back up what you believe because you've worked it out. Yeah. And then this other person came up and said, hey, you know why we come here and why we love this place? This is yesterday. Right. I was like, man, lay it on me, right? And uh, they said, we love coming to a church where you make it so real. Like, you don't mind telling people you have a problem. You don't mind telling people you struggle to understand God yourself at times. And we love the fact that you get up there and you give it to us in such a way that we can understand it and it's relatable. Good. All right? I didn't know that stat you were going to read, but I think it's true. I think a generation is sick of stop playing games. Uh, Don't just give me a TED talk and try to pacify me. I want the truth. I I don't want real. Yeah. You know, this whole political correct, don't hurt people's feelings. Don't say uh, dance around. Every sermon's dancing around. We don't want to hurt your feelings. I I just, yeah, I'm sorry. That's not the way I'm going. And I'm not standing up every week going, let me hurt your feelings. Like most of the time when I'm prepping for what I'm going to say, my feelings are hurt. I'm like, gosh, I got to do better. I got to live better. I got to, I got to work that out. But here's what I say. And I will encourage you, if you're listening, I want you to listen in a very intent way right now. All joking and jesting aside, this is what I've worked out for myself. And this is what I believe. Number one, we don't have to defend Jesus. Right. Right. I've told my girls, look, there's a lot of religions out there, whichever one you pick, if you pick it great, I'm going to love you regardless. However, this one called Christianity is real to me. It, I live it. I walk it out. I think I said that in one of the previous podcasts that I want to make my children jealous for Jesus because he's so real to me. All right. So if that's true, if you're a Christian, do you know what you have to believe what's that jesus is in charge of this thing right yes or no yes if you if you claim to be a christian he doesn't exist for you you exist for his glory you exist for him he's he's quote saved us and now you're into his purposes well if christianity is about jesus and jesus is the head what is he the head of He's the head of the church. He's the head of the church, right? right? Here's the thought. The church would have never been a man's idea. Right. It would have never been a human idea. That's good. The church, Matthew 16, the church is Jesus's idea because he says to Peter, I'm building yeah. my church. It's not even a human's church. Right. He says, I'm the one building it. You wouldn't even think about it. Right. You guys wouldn't think to just put everybody that's different like me and you in right. a bag, shake it up, go get along with each other and run a purpose that's the same. Mm -hmm. You and I are different personalities, but we're running the same purpose here. We're running after the purposes of Jesus. So first, if you're a follower of Jesus, I challenge you to tell me why the church would not be important if Jesus is the head of it. All right. Number one, Jesus is the head. It must be important. Number two, church was his idea, not yours and not mine. Right. We didn't come up with this. He came up with the church. He said, I'm going to be building my church. You ready for this? Ephesians three. Now this is where it stings a mite. And I want to read it to you because this is what I started working out for myself. Okay. Ephesians chapter three, verse nine and 10. 
I was chosen, Paul said, to explain to everyone this mysterious plan of God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. You ready? 10 and 11, two more verses. God's purpose in this was to use the church to display his wisdom in a rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. There it is. All right, now watch. Here's how it gets interesting. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's the head. What is he the head of? He's the head of the church. The church is his idea. Right. Why is this idea so important? Because Paul says that the intent of the church is that we're being used by God to show his mysterious plan. Here's what's strange to all the unseen spirit beings out there. Right. The angels of God are watching this thing called the church, how we get along, the spirit working within us, the love that we have for one another, the gathering that comes together and says all these different colors, all these different races, all these different personalities gather together publicly. That's what the word church means. It means ecclesia. It means right. a public gathering. It was never intended by Jesus when he said, I build my church. He wasn't thinking. I'm building your living room. Right. I'm going to build your living room so you can invite three friends over and have church. Sure. That was never his thinking. Even when people say, well, in the book of Acts, they did house churches. Right. I'm like, you want to know why they did house churches? Because Christianity was a brand new thing. Yeah. Uh, they weren't like the Jews. The Jews had temples. The Greeks had their temples, the temple to Diana, to Artemis, to Zeus. They all these cultures that were Greeks and Gentiles, they had temples. The Jews Jews had synagogues. They had their temples. Along comes this new Jesus dude that establishes a new way of life, a born again, new thing that will be labeled Christianity, Christ followers. They didn't have buildings. Right. They didn't have temples. It had never been done sure. before. They didn't have gathering places. They couldn't say, hey, let's go to the uh, the temple of Diana over here, a false God, and let's meet there. They had to meet in homes. Right. They had no buildings on a corner that they could call, quote, church. So, this thinking that we don't need buildings, we just need to go back to house churches. It's because they lived in a culture where Christianity was not that way. And I always make a joke about house church anyway. If you're doing the kingdom, a house church won't last long. Right. Because you're supposed to be multiplying. You're supposed to be winning lost people. And it won't be long if you do that, your living room will be full. Yeah. And you're either going to have to go to another house and another house, right? right? So, sure. So here's what I've come to. He said, look, I want to use the church not just for your community, not just so you can have a little gathering spot and go, let's touch our community here. He said, again, verse 10, I'm going to use the church to display my wisdom and all its variety to the unseen rulers and authority in the heavenly places. You ready for this? Yeah. This, this was something that shifted my thinking about church. What would keep an angel in eternity? Well, let's say we get all get to eternity. It's all over, end of the world. We're living this new eternal thing, right? right. What would ever keep another angel from rising up and doing what Lucifer did? He did it. He just like, hey, I think I'm going to take this thing over. So let's just parse this all the way out. Get, get 10,000 years in the future. What would keep another angel like Lucifer from saying, hey, I'm kind of sick of this God, dude. I think I'm going to try it. 
Hopefully, he would look back and see that Lucifer failed. Okay, yes, but, but it's even deeper than that because this is what the Bible says, verse 10 again, that I'm going to use my church to display my wisdom to all the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. Right. The church will stand as an eternal witness mm. that rebellion was tried and it did not work. Right. So that when the angels look and go, what is this? And it's called the body of Christ, the church. They look at that and see the wisdom that the result of Lucifer's fall was the birth of the church. Ready for verse 11? Now this church, this idea of church, this body of people that was going to be the display of God's wisdom, it says this in verse 11 of Ephesians 3. This was God's eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The idea of the church was in God's mind even before he made the Garden of Eden. The idea of church was in God's mind before he ever made Adam. The idea of this body of Christ, this body that reflects his wisdom, this body that reflects his glory, Mm -hmm. this body that reflects his power, this body that reflects his forgiveness, this was an eternal thing that was going to be uh, demonstrated by God. And then listen to verse 21. It says this, glory to God, to Jesus in the church, to God in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Listen, forever and ever. So he says the way we bring glory to God is through the church. Right. So here's my take. I'm tired of church. It's just religion. It's just a bunch of men taking up money. It's just a bunch of leaders giving rules. It's just they want me to live their rules. I get it. it but again, I say, oh, if we're going to debate that, are you are you mad that the coach has rules? Are you mad that the school has rules? Are you mad that One Life Fitness has rules? Like, are you mad that when you drive down the highway, there's a rule that says drive this speed? Right. So let's don't go there. Like, we all know we need that. But in this thing called local church, I'll leave you with this. If you're pondering, should I go? Should I be involved? It's just humans. It's just a bunch of hypocrites. Let's start here. If you're a follower of Jesus, he's the head of something. What is he the head of? The church. If he's the head of the church and the church is his body to receive life to its fullness, you need to be part of a body. That body is labeled church, and that means a public gathering, an ecclesia, a gathering together publicly of the followers of Jesus. And that plan is eternal. It was in the mind of God before there was ever a human. And that church is to display itself to the angels, the demons, and the spirit being, this is God's wisdom. That's why I get up. That's why I do what I do. That's why I tell my girls, girls, there's no better place for you to be than with God's people gathering publicly together in like-minded, in like faith, quit making excuses, quit making God's house an option when you make everything else non-optional. You'll drive your kids 10 hours to do sports. You'll spend all kind of money, but when it comes to God, Jesus as the head and his body, his body's now optional. Gathering publicly with his body is optional. The eternal wisdom of God optional. I think I just want to do me and love Jesus on my own and I think uh, that that is what we've got to get out to people that the church though we humans could have screwed it up in many ways with our fleshly things that go on at the end of the day the church is the mind of Christ 
the body of Christ, the wisdom of God, and we're on display for the world to see. And this is my thought. The world is supposed to see, oh my God, it's real. Right. I believe when our children see it's real, they plug in. And so somewhere, if we've dropped out, if we've quit going, we've gotten lazy, we think I can just sit at home and read my Bible on my own, I guarantee you somewhere in that thinking, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've either been hurt, you've been disillusioned, you've been disappointed, and you've gotten your mind on people and what people have done to you and how people have ruined it or how people have manipulated you or how people have used you and you've forgotten that the church is the eternal mind and wisdom of God and you've let human beings rob you of that. That's my take on it. Thank you, Phil, for being with us. We hope you enjoyed it. And listen, we leave you with this. If you don't have a local church, get yourself up out of bed. Find you somewhere to plug your life in. Let it become the reality of God in your life. And if you're a parent, no greater thing than you can do is to let it be so real in you that you make them jealous for it. Phil and I love you. We pray for you. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to my dad's podcast. Make sure to follow along and help us by sharing this episode with someone you know. Thanks again. Have a great week.